1: Yeah, for sure. It's actually pretty diverse. So uh, out of school, I kind of started my career in banking and financial services. Didn't really love that and and shifted into managerial consulting, where I actually worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses and helping them turn their innovations into companies, build commercialization plans, raise funding. And that was actually the time I really started to get interested in communication. Um, I sat on a number of investment boards and investment screening committees, and I would time and time again, see companies come through with a bad idea, but beat out somebody with a better idea because they had the connections, they had the network, right? Mm. And that is really where I started to understand why connections are really what it's about. You know, you can have a better mousetrap, but you need the connections too. So from there, I moved into a variety of roles, selling to Fortune 500 clients in the market research space, and over time managed teams of analysts and salespeople, um, and again, I, I got fascinated with how do you communicate in from a leadership position? How do you communicate with your employees and your team to make them perform better? And at first, let's say I say I wasn't good at it at all. You know, I was trying to be something I wasn't. I thought I had to have all the answers. I had very little patience for people telling me this is hard. You know, I'm like, hey, get it done. And over time, I learned that that was not very effective. Right. So I started learning to have more empathy for their situation, having more vulnerability and being more honest about who I was and the fact that I didn't have the answer. And mm-hmm. over time, it led to much better relationships with my employees and much better performance of my team, right. right? So throughout all the time, I was diving into best practices around communications and connections and influence. And what I found was a lot of what's out there is, is kind of crappy, right? A lot of it is, hey, make eye contact, hey, mirror everything they do with their body, which just ends up looking kind of weird, you know? Or it's really hard to execute. Like, it's really hard to pay attention to their eyes, their facial expressions, their body language, their tone tone of voice, and still understand what they're saying with their mouth, (laughs) you know? So I got kind of obsessed with figuring out what worked and creating little bite-sized ways of practicing so that I could get better, you know? So whether it's how do I leverage eye contact or How do I use body language, right? Taking little pieces and doing them over and over again to get better at it. And that's really where the Art of Communication podcast was born out of. Talking to leaders, researching best practices, and trying to understand how other leaders are being more powerful communicators. And that's also where the Authentic Connection Academy came from, and that I wanna start teaching those bite-sized nuggets to other people, especially entrepreneurs and leaders, to help them transform their lives and transform their businesses. Fantastic. I, 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 it's interesting. You say about
0: the eye contact and so forth. I remember doing a workshop one day and we're talking about coaching and having, not just looking at the person, but seeing the whole person and actually then mm-hmm. looking into their eyes and so forth. And I had a guy from a certain country and this was actually, I was in the US doing the workshop and he turns around and says to me, Hey Dennis, and his accent, Hey, <laughs> in my culture, when you look him in the eyes like that, it means we're going to go and do something, you know? And I'm like, oh my. Uh. <laughs> So it's quite interesting how you talk about that because every culture is different as well in the way that we communicate and that we look at things as well, uh, which is quite good. And I I like what you say around the bite size and practicing because we really do need to practice how many leaders, how many business owners, entrepreneurs, they just go in head first. They don't even practice. The practice is when they're doing it live and we're like, hey, that's too late. Um, Yeah. Yep.
1: That's so what that's destroyed what we... kind of the relationship with my team early on, right? I'm kind of learning as I go. Nobody teaches you this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You just do kind of what you think is right and what you think you're supposed to be as a leader. And quite often, that's not the right answer. Wow. Wow. Hey, So how did you actually get into leadership? Because you talked about leading some teams. So how did you actually get into it? Yeah. So er- my earliest, I think, um, experience leading was kind of late in college and then earlier in my career. Um, where I was very involved around economic development. So I sat on a lot of boards for both college groups, but also broader nonprofit organizations. So that was more of an advisory role, but it was certainly a leadership role where we were you know, looking at that broader strategy and helping the folks on the ground execute it. Really, really enjoyed that, right? And then as I uh, advanced in my career, right, I mentioned before, I started taking on teams of analysts and salespeople, and that was really my first managerial leadership focus, right? Where I had to figure out how to motivate and help people solve problems that I didn't always have the answer to. It's actually Mm -hmm. interesting the first switch from kind of that entrepreneurial helping job, that consulting job to Fortune 500, I came in in a management role. And I was interviewing with my boss who had come in at that role as well. And he said, you know what? I started with five people in the same role and all of them are gone now a year later, except for me. You know, I was like, oh wow, what am I doing here, right? This This is a really tough situation Um, because it's really hard to come in and teach people to be analysts when you haven't already been an analyst yourself. So that was a real struggle for me. But over time, you figure it out, you trial and error, you learn. And what I found is the more you can connect with people as people, understand them, and the more you can be yourself, the more you can be authentic and genuine, the better connection you can have with folks and the more effective you can be. And then today, I don't actually manage anybody, but I do, you know, I see leadership in a variety of format. So I lead my clients, you know, every day I manage about 30 clients or so in the Fortune 500 customer service space, and I'm leading them to help them make the best decisions that they possibly can. And, you know, we build real relationships around that. And then I have five kids, so I'm leading them every day. Four of them are teenagers, and I'm trying to help them make better decisions along the way. And in every situation, scenario, it's, it's different, what's most effective. But the foundation is connecting with them as people. So, Greg,
0: um, you may have several people, but who is your favorite leader and why? Now, this person could be alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why?
1: Yeah, I think it's a great question. And my leader is probably somebody who you've gotten before. But I'm going to go with Abraham Lincoln. Obviously, led us through the Civil War, a really difficult time, right? Gave his life for it. But beyond that, you know, he filled his cabinet with people who had highly dissenting opinions, right? He filled it with political enemies in a way and created a lot of debate and found the middle ground there. He was open to other people's opinions, and I love that. He also never gave up, right? Despite having magnificent failures throughout his life, he never gave up. He always kept trying and trying that next step. So he's a great example from that perspective. And then I also love how he was always able to diffuse any situation with humor and compassion, right? Mm. He was just very witty and very compassionate, and was always able to calm down a really difficult situation. So always I love reading about him um, and, and emulating him as much as I can.
0: yeah, and and that compassion and the human side of it, it's really important nowadays, and I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a lot more and more of it being expected by people um, from from in the world, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, uh, well, I yeah. think it goes. It, I think it's, I think there's two sides to that coin. And on, from one hand, it's being expected more and more, um, maybe within the workplace, right? Or from our leaders or the people we have relationships with. On the other hand, though, I think we're becoming less compassionate and empathetic with people who disagree with us and have different views than right. us. And I think we're becoming increasingly um, polarized in that regard. And, and that's a scary thing. And that's something that, Hopefully a little bit of what I'm doing can help with that, right? If I, like I dream of one day being able to set up in-person um, meetings with groups of folks who are all about learning about other people and, and, you know, are open to and have skills around communicating effectively. Yes. Or even, you know, creating an app to bring people together to have conversations about things that they might disagree about while also they have lots of things in common, right? So they build on things they have in common and then they talk about the one thing they disagree about. Um, I think we need to learn to listen to each other.
2: The story starts from my corporate life, where I had a fair share, I, as, you, as you mentioned before. It was about 15 years I was in the banking sector, dealing with people from around the globe, from senior management positions. And it was a great experience with hands-on leadership, but at the same time, it was a sweet and bitter Taste, let's say. On the one hand, I enjoyed success, and on the same time, I would see other successful executives in their professional lives with disasters in their personal lives, and I didn't like it at all. Well, well that, I had my fair share of leadership there, but it wasn't the type of leadership that I really enjoyed.
0: So, so they, had, they were successful in their businesses and doing really well there, but then in their personal lives, they had some real problems, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Actually, it's quite interesting you say that because a lot of people that I work with, uh, executives and leaders, and that, and and then entrepreneurs as well. They're working some long hours. They're overwhelmed. As in my introductions, talk about going from email to email, meeting to meeting. They have a lot going on for them, uh, and then they're trying to go home and try and be mum, dad, husband, wife, partner, brother, sister, and it's it's really hard for them. So when you saw that, what was sort of I mean, I some of the outcomes wouldn't been great, but um at all, but I, I mean, what
2: could people do around that space? Well, the issue is that they are, they behave sort of like split personalities. So they're a different person at work and a different person at life. And this brings internal conflict. And that, this is where everything starts. So for me, my new approach to leadership, let's say, when I, when I quit my job and I quit my job because really that it it stopped inspiring me. It didn't fire any passion inside of me because of this. And I went back home and I thought that staying with my family, which I miss so much, working long hours would be the solution and the perfect space for me. But still, something didn't look right. Something was missing. So that was when I started approaching leadership from a different, a totally different angle, a new point of view, which is exactly that the person behind the leader and the inside the leader, rather, and the person at home is the same human being. So leadership is about the same human being. And this is where the focus goes. And I would suggest that. The solution is to look inside. This is my whole approach. And this is why I say about Inspired 360 Success, because 360 is how to combine all the areas of your life in harmony, being the same authentic person.
0: Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So the 360 degree, I uh, get what you're saying. That's, that's really important. And when you said before that you quit your job because you lost your passion, it just didn't feel right. How long was it? that you were feeling like that before you actually quit your job?
2: Well, actually, it was about 12 months, a year.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So um, uh, some people I work with as well, again, that it's a year, 18 months, two years. They just know that it doesn't feel right anymore. They just lose that energy, that passion. As you said, the skip in their step is no longer there. But it takes them a while for them to make that decision to transition out of there, which is, which is really interesting.
2: Oh, well, it's always uh, having solution as well. I was quite lucky because I could, I could step out and wait and see and, and uh, search inside and find the next best uh, step for me, but you don't always have this opportunity, so I understand that.
0: Yeah, so everybody's situation is different, as you said. Yeah, for sure. Hey, tell me, so I'm going to ask you a question here. Now, this can be somebody who's alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why?
2: Okay, now... There's so many great leaders, right? And I'm sure that most people tell you that they struggle to find one name and and tell you who that is. Same is for me, but for me, it's a totally different approach. For me, it's not about a name. It's rather a type of person. For me, it's everyday people, the next door leaders, as I say. It could be someone in an office, a shop, a mom, a teenager, a CEO. Actually, anyone who brings inspiration and transformation, who serves, unites values and models for others. These are my favorite ones. So these are the ones that create positive change and positive impact in our world. And it's a type of person. It's not one name.
0: Yeah, excellent. A type of person. I like what you said, the next door leader. Yeah, um, I I love that uh, terminology. I don't know about you, Joanna, but I actually feel like wanting to break out and speak to you in Greek. But of course, our listeners are, are all around the world, so we're having to st- stay here with English and that. But um, so jo- Joanna is also known as Joanna is the is the name in, in Greek as well. So um, so Joanna, I love what you just shared about it's not the, an actual name, but it's the type of person. And it's the becoming a leader of that type of person, which I think is really quite important because as you said earlier on, that you can be one person at home at work, and one person at home where it should be the same person. But also, you need to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're sharing there is about the next door leader is somebody who is being authentic as well, which is which is wonderful. Thank you for listening to
1: this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.